You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Um, this morning, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. And um, I don't, Rodney and Pam, I don't want to embarrass you guys, um, but many of you saw on the news that Rodney and Pam's garage uh, burnt down in groves. And here's why I'm telling you guys this is because um, they were living in that garage and remodeling their house. And so uh, the enemy attempted to steal something from them. But I talked to Rodney this week and God's blessed them. But and Rodney said, you know, one of the first things I'm sure maybe it wasn't the first thing out of your mouth, but it was something you said to me that that shook me, Rodney. Okay, and I want I want I want everybody to hear this is that the confession of Rodney and Pam's mouth, Rodney said this, thank you, Jesus, for new beginnings. So I just want to declare the peace and the joy and the prosperity and the abundance and whatever the enemy try to take from you, God is going to restore a hundredfold, Rodney and Pam, in the name of Jesus. And that's memories and that's things that, you know, you can't, you can't get back with money. He's going to restore it in the future and the hope and what he's going to do in your family, what he's going to do in your marriage. He's going to cause you to be a blessing and an abundance. Okay. I just thank the Lord for them. I thank the Lord for great faith. I say, I want some of that. You know, I want, I want to be able to say, it is well with my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for new beginnings when something like that happens. You don't win, enemy. You lose. You lose. You lose. That's good. That's good stuff. In Philippians chapter 3, we're going to talk today about the God who always moves us forward. He always calls us forward. And I just want this to be a great encouragement to every person here. Oh, I want this to be a wonderful encouragement. Of course, we know today we celebrate, not celebrate, we remember the 15th, 15th year anniversary of a, a, a horrific terrorist attack that the enemy tried to destroy our country with. And I want to spend a second and say that we do remember those who lost their lives in New York and Washington, D.C. and Pennsylvania. Being from Washington, D.C., that I remember being in this place 15 years ago. I was a youth pastor. And I remember being here, and I remember trying to get a hold of my mom and dad who were in Washington, D.C., not knowing what was going around in, the, in, in immense fear that struck most of us. We remember back then. But let me say this, a couple of things, that where the enemy attempts to abound, grace, therefore, much more abounds. And as sons and daughters of God, we've got a great responsibility to be a testimony of Jesus in the world that is a reflection of the grace of God on this world. But today, what I'd like us to do at some point today in your personal time is I want you to stop and I want you to lift up a prayer for those families who lost somebody. But I also want you to lift up a prayer for our first responders, our police and our firefighters and our um, emergency ambulance support folks that work uh, diligently and remember those who went into those buildings, who gave up their lives, who do what they're called to do, especially in light of some of the foolishness that's taking place in this country. If we can unite our hearts as people called to do this, to say we will honor where honor is due, we will remember and we will pray and we will put a hedge of protection around those who are putting their lives on the line, then God will begin to bless this country. And that's how we see the goodness of God reflected and shown up in our country today. So going into Philippians chapter 3, what I believe God wants to do this morning is this, is I believe God wants to encourage every one of us. There's some here today that you feel like 
you're a bit brokenhearted and you may feel a bit hopeless, like you're stuck in a rut. And I believe what God wants to do is he wants to begin to birth hope in you. He wants to break that hopelessness. He wants to get you out of that rut. And I'm not just blowing smoke here. I really believe this. I believe we serve a God that wants the best for us. It comes through the revelation of his goodness, who he is as the good father. I think there's some here that, that are standing on the edge of knowing what God's called them to do, but there's a little bit of fear that's intimidating you. Let me give you a practical illustration of this. When I was a freshman in high school, I wanted to play lacrosse. I grew up in Maryland, outside of Washington, D.C., and we played lacrosse. You may or may not know what that sport is. Don't worry about it if you don't. But the way that it worked was that everybody, there was no JV or varsity. It was just a club, and everybody went to go play. And as a freshman, I was really intimidated because there was a meeting in a classroom to get you signed up. And I remember walking back and forth in front of that doorway really slowly, like poking my head and going, oh man, I saw a bunch of big guys in there. And and I, I started to get fearful and nervous. And eventually I slowed down enough and I just kind of put my shoulder on the edge of the the threshold of that doorway. And I just sat there kind of listening, hoping that was good enough. Maybe I could get some information and go talk to the teacher after the meeting was over, like take the chicken route out. And then from out of nowhere, I felt this just push in the middle of my back. And I just flew in the room about 10 feet. And I turned around, and it was my older brother. He had saw me, he saw me watching, watching from the distance. And he was like, uh-uh, that ain't going to happen. You ain't going to chicken out. And he just pushed me in. And when I was pushed in, all of a sudden, I was in the middle of it. It was, it was done. It was signed up. It was like I signed on the dotted line by being thrust into the middle of that room. And some of us are like that in our calling. We just need a little bit of push, of encouragement to say, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Don't stand on the edge anymore. Go for it. Step out into the big thing. Yes, it's God. Yes, he loves you. Yes, he's resourced you. Stop waiting. Go for it. And then there's some of us here this morning that are, are like um, horses that have a jockey on our back. And we're in the race and we're running. We're running as fast as we can. But there's just a little bit more in you. And what you need is just like a little on the tail, like pop, pop, go, go, go faster, go faster, go after the big things. Listen, God desires to move us forward. And when he moves us forward, he moves us forward in his goodness. He moves us forward in his plans. He moves us forward in the revelation of his love. And so what I want to encourage you with this morning is this truth, and let's embrace it. Let's choose to agree with the truth that God is for us, and that His plans are good for us, and that He is calling us and resourcing us into those plans. Let's choose to do that. In Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14, this is a familiar passage to many of us, but I want to read this. And you can see it on the screen, or if you have your Bible open, read this as I read it. This is the Apostle Paul writing here. He says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
Now, I want to just throw a little bit of context onto this passage here. It's exciting. It's very exciting. And what I love to do as we share the Word together is I love to challenge you to put yourself in the middle of the Scripture, of the meaning of the Scripture. Here we see the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, writing a letter to the church in Philippi. He's writing this letter to this church, and this church was kind of uh, brought about in one of his first missionary journeys. It was birthed by the Holy Spirit. We see this beautiful little church start to come to be, and Paul here is encouraging them. But what is more contextual to the point is this, is where Paul is when he writes this letter. Here we go. Paul's in prison. He's under house arrest in Rome. He's being confined. And I love Paul's language here because wouldn't some of us go, um, hey, uh, not doing too well. Um, please send some rations. Um, man, made a mistake doing this. Should have never came to Rome. Don't know, really know what God's up to. Um, hope he's better to you than he is to me. <laughs> I mean, come on. Let's just be a little bit honest. How would we be if we were in Paul's situation? But yet here we see Paul, and he is not filled with hopelessness. He is not in despair. As a matter of fact, he is speaking to, some, to the church in Philippi as an encourager encouraging them to push into the big things that God has for them, using his life as a model. And here's what's even more fascinating about Paul's context, is that Paul does not know where he is going to end up. He still has a trial that he is going to face where the emperor of Rome could look at him and go, off with your head. But yet, he writes in the context that God is still for him, the future is still in front of him, the goodness of God is still in front of him, and he's got some place to go. And he's telling the church there, and he's telling us through the Holy Spirit, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, keep moving into the big things that he has for you, believe that God is good, believe that he is moving you forward, believe he has resourced the things he's called you to. And so what I want to do this morning is just give you five keys to understanding the God who always moves us forward. And these really are confessions that I, I want to invite you to write down and I want you to invite you to confess over yourself, to change the way you think, to line your heart up with the Word of God so that you would walk in the big things that God has for you, that you would walk and move forward. The first is this. My journey is always going to new heights. One of the confessions that we must believe is that my journey with God is always going to new heights. Paul says it like this, not that I have already obtained all this or have arrived at my goal. Here's what Paul's saying. He's not making an admission in modesty or humility that he is somebody who has arrived. He's not saying that at all. Paul's not trying to be humble here. He's not saying, oh, no, no, not that I've already attained all this or have arrived at my goal. <clears throat> He's not executing modesty. He's making a much bigger admission. He's saying this. He's saying that his walk is a walk of faith. His walk is a walk of faith, and it's ever-growing and always expanding to new heights and to new depths and to the bigness of God's plan. And he's saying this, I haven't attained everything that God's called me to. I haven't reached the goal. Why? Because the walk of faith is huge. It's big. It's ever expanding. It's always taking me to new heights. My journey with God takes me to new heights. And that does something powerful in our thinking. 
we have to settle this in our hearts that we serve a God that is taking us to bigger and better places and who He is. The places that God wants to take me are even greater than I can imagine. Here's what 1 Corinthians 2.9 says about that. Again, this is Paul writing, the Holy Spirit inspiring Paul to write this as well to the church in Corinth. He says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived or imagined, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. What is Paul saying here? Paul's saying this, it's okay to dream with God. Matter of fact, God wants you to dream with him. He wants you to think on the things that he's called you to. But no matter what you see, no matter what you hear, no matter what you can imagine, God's plans are always bigger than that. And that's a beautiful thing because some of us today, we're being held hostage by our experiences of what we see and what we hear. And our imagination is being locked up in just those simple things. And God wants to unlock those things and push us into the big things that He has called us to. He wants to push us into the big things that He's called us to. In order to do that, we have to begin to see things the way that God sees things. I want to tell you a little bit of a fact about, about where Paul was. So Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi while he's under house arrest in Rome. Three and a half years after this point, Paul loses his life in his second imprisonment in Rome under the emperor Nero. Why is that amazing? Because Paul understood not knowing maybe the details or not maybe even understanding God's timing. And it's okay in our life not to, to maybe sometimes wrestle with God's timing, but it's never okay to doubt that God is always calling us to new heights. It's never okay to doubt that God is calling us to bigger and better things. And Paul never lost sight of that. Even in the last three and a half years of his life, between when he wrote this letter to the Philippians and when he lost his life for Jesus Christ, he understood that it didn't matter if he lived or died. But every day he walked with God, God was calling him into something bigger and something better to a new and greater height in who he was. And sometimes that was just the revelation of the love of God for Paul. Sometimes it was to amazing places to, to communicate the gospel. But no matter what, it was amazing and bigger than he could even see, hear, or imagine. Number two. My future is secure because of what Jesus did for me. If we believe in the God that always moves us forward, then we have to believe that our forward is taken care of. Our tomorrow is taken care of, don't we? Don't we? We can't get locked up in thinking that tomorrow is not going to be provided for us. And so what Paul said was this, concerning this in Philippians 3, he said, I take hold of that which Jesus, Christ Jesus took hold of me. What was he saying? Just in a nutshell, he said, my future is secure because of what Jesus did for me. My future is secure because of what Jesus did for me. The security of my future is not up to me. The security of what God is calling me to is not up to me. I don't possess the power, the ability, or the wisdom to secure it, but it's secured through the grace given to me in Jesus Christ. It's secured to me for me through Jesus Christ. And we have to begin to believe that as truth. The things that God has called us to, He has provided for. He has provided for. He's given us the security. In Romans 8.31, 
Here we see Paul writing again, and he says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What things is Paul talking about? He's talking about the persecution that comes against us as believers. He's talking about sometimes the the just overt attacks that that are coming where where we, we don't even know where they're coming from, but they're hitting us from every angle. And sometimes he's talking about our own mindset. The things that we're choosing to believe based on the experiences we're going through. And he says, listen, in in light of all these things, what are we going to say? What's our response going to be? What are we going to choose to believe? What are we going to choose to allow to guide us forward? And he comes up with this answer. And the answer is this. And he says this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He is putting the foundation of his faith in the security that Jesus has provided everything necessary for his future. If God has called me, who can be against me? Does it matter if people are trying to imprison me or stone me or kill me? Does it matter if people are rejecting the gospel? Does it matter if I don't feel like I have the resources to go where God is calling me to go? No, God is greater. I am an overcomer because of Jesus Christ. I will trust him because he is my future. So how do we do that? How do we honestly gain this kind of confidence? This is a question I ask myself because I go, look, okay, if, if I hear this, that God is for me, who can be against me? How do I actually anchor myself in this truth and go, God, I want that to be a confidence in me. Because you don't ever want to approach the word of God and come away and say, listen, I receive it here, but it hasn't transformed my heart. Why? Because if the word of God doesn't permeate into your heart, it's not going to move the way you do life. And God wants to change the way you do life, the outcomes of your life, the cares of your life. And so he wants the word of God to permeate your heart. So here is what God says, why you can have confidence in him for your future. Just a few verses down in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, it says, For I am convinced, this is Paul writing again, For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Paul covers all the bases. He says, listen, no matter how big and bad it gets, no, how, no, no matter how narrow and doomy, gloomy and doomy it gets, no matter how desperate I feel, how alienated or how, much threat, how threatened I feel by those coming against me in the immediate, I'm not worried because the love of Christ Jesus has secured me and given me the confidence. Let me tell you about that word confidence for just a second, if that's okay. That word confidence means to tell yourself the truth. Some of you need to tell yourself the truth about the love of Jesus in your life. Some of you need to tell the things that you are walking through right now, the circumstances that you are walking through that are trying to break that, the knowledge of the love of Jesus Christ. You need to tell yourself the truth. This happened to me not too long ago. I was in the car with my kids picking them up from school. And um, my daughter, Abigail, who's my middle child, we were talking and uh, about a historical fact. It wasn't a fact that she learned that day at school. It wasn't something she had learned that year. It's something she had knew. She knew from way back in her, her young career, school career. She says, blah, 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 fact. I go, I do not think so. I do not think that is fact. 
debate ensues. She's like, oh, no, I know it's true, Dad. And I'm like, oh, sweet daughter, <laughs> it's not true. Your, your wise old sage father knows better. I've lived more life and, and by far smarter than you. I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking, honest to God, all right? And so we're going back and forth. But here's the thing is that my daughter, Abby, was convinced. She was convinced. So, so she went to the fourth member of the Trinity, Google, right? <laughs> If I offended anybody there, I apologize. <laughs> it's true though, right? Google, give me direction for my life. <laughs> Turn right. <laughs> I, just pause for just a second. I, I was navigating something the other day, and Google asked me if I was sure I wanted to go there. <laughs> I'm like rolling down... Throw the phone out the window. Don't ask me if I'm sure I want to go. Are you really sure you want to go to the donut place? <laughs> I'm there every day, Google. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. And so she whips out the Google. She, she shows it, and she goes, Blow! She holds the phone in my face. Look, look. Here's what she was not doing. She was not trying to convince me. She was proving that she was already convinced and right about her convincing so let me tell you what you need to do concerning the love of Jesus is that you need to be convinced of it no matter what anybody else and any other thing in your life says. And this is what Paul is saying here. He's saying, listen, you're going to give me every one of those things. Oh, this is going to change you right here. Every one of those things that Paul lists could have been used as an excuse of why God did not love him. But he turned it around and said, I'm convinced after all these things, nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. And when that comes, you can trust God for your security of your future. You can trust Jesus. He's the one who will do it for you. Number three, I must choose to agree that my journey is new every day. We have to believe that our journey is new every day. We really do. Here's how Paul says it in Philippians 3. Paul says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Every day you wake up is a new opportunity for, the, for your life to reflect the goodness of God. And you have to believe that. You have to believe that God is a God that does not give a retirement plan to his journey with you. There is not a plateau. There is not a stopping point. There is not a place where you go and say, okay, I've done everything. I've, I've kind of checked all, the, checked all the check boxes off in my spiritual walk, and therefore I'm good. Okay? Even Enoch in the Old Testament, I mean, he's probably the closest dude that got to like, like being able to check everything off, and God's like, all right, come on, <laughs> let's go. You don't need to taste death. Go, go back and read it later if you don't know what I'm talking about. And so here you have to understand that God doesn't have a retirement plan. What does that mean? It means this, that if you believe in your life that you're past a certain place for God to use you, then the enemy can sneak in and steal joy from you. But if you believe that your journey with God is new every day, every morning, then the grace and your life will abound and you will be a person who will grow every day. And God wants you to grow every day. He wants you to understand that your journey with Him is new every morning, every day, every day. We serve a God that doesn't have a retirement plan. So the goal is never to arrive with God. Our goal of walking in our journey with God is never to arrive 
We can't ever puff our chest out and go, I've arrived with God. Look at me. I've done, I've done this and that. I've arrived with God. Our goal in our journey with God is to be ever like Christ. That is our goal. To be more Christ-like. To see more Christ in us. And to let the reflection of Christ come out of us more and more. Let me just ask you a simple question concerning this. Are you around people in your life? Do you talk to people? Do you perhaps talk to anybody who doesn't yet know Jesus Christ? Then your journey isn't over. There is still something that God has called you to do. There is still something that God wants to do in you. And the choice is yours. You have to believe that God's mercies and grace are new for you every morning. And you have to believe that He is calling you to grow in your Christ-likeness so that you become a reflection more and more of Christ Jesus. In Lamentations 3, and 23, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I want you to hear this. I want you to really understand this scripture here. Is that God's steadfast love, His Enduring, never-ending, always fulfilling love is new every morning. It never ceases. God's love for you never ceases. It never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. There's sufficiency for you for every step of the journey. And the journey is new every day. Even though God's love and His grace and His mercy is abundant for you, His favor is not guaranteed. You have to choose His favor and you have to walk through the door of His favor. And for some of you this morning, God is opening up doors of favor and He's asking you to walk through them. He's asking you to believe that your journey is new every morning. He's opening up doors of favor for you to talk to people in your workplace or at your school or moments of reconciliation or moments of advancement where He wants to prosper you and you have to walk through those things. Those things, even though God gives them to you freely, you have to choose to agree with them and go through them. His grace is steadfast. You don't have to do anything for it. His love is abundant. You don't have to earn it. He gives it to you freely, but His faith you have to choose and you have to walk through. And God is ready to hand out His favor. He wants to hand out His favor. But you have to walk through the door. And the only way you will walk through the door of favor is if you believe that His mercies and the journey that He has put you on is new every day. If you believe that the sum total of God's favor is in your yesterday, then you're never going to walk through it tomorrow. You'll stop. You'll stop believing it and you'll stop trying for it. But God wants you to walk in His favor. He wants you to understand His mercies are new every morning. Number four. This is a great one. My yesterday may have been great or terrible, but my tomorrow is where I'm going to focus on. My yesterday may have been great. Your yesterday may have been great. Man, I had a good day. Or you might say, man, I'd like to just erase that one off of the calendar, go to 364 days. But your tomorrow is what you have to focus on. Here's how Paul says it. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I think it's funny that when we read that scripture there in Philippians 3 about this, where Paul says, forgetting what is behind, straining what is ahead, immediately our thoughts kind of go to where Paul was Saul. When Paul was the bad guy, When Paul did all the things that hurt the Christians and the believers and he killed Christians and he he hurt God's heart. 
But I don't really believe that's exactly what Paul's saying here. I think Paul's saying something much more. Sure, he may mean that because condemnation tries to sneak into our thinking, doesn't it? To remind us when God calls us to great things of maybe what our past was like. But here's what Paul, I believe Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm not going to be satisfied with the accomplishments and the victories of yesterday. What I want to do is I want to never be satisfied in that place because I want to always believe that God's calling me something to something greater tomorrow. If God is moving me forward, then I can't ultimately put my, uh, attach my tent stakes into yesterday. I've got to pull them up and I've got to go where God's calling me to go. And here's the thing about our yesterdays that make them a little bit sticky and a little bit tricky. Why they're so powerful is because we've lived out our yesterdays and we receive them as fact. Think about that for just a second. Process that. What you did yesterday, nobody can deny. What you ate yesterday, what you put on your body, uh, if you mowed your lawn, if you swam in your pool, whatever you did, that is fact. You did it. You lived it. You did it. And so we receive it as fact. But sometimes when things go awry and wrong and our life takes a turn and condemnation fills our heart and our yesterday, we also believe that as fact. And what God has to do in our life is put His grace on our facts to move us into faith. Because faith deals with what is unseen still in our life. And God is always calling us to a future. Well, guess what? You haven't seen your future, have you? But God has. And the only way He's going to get you to walk in something you can't see is by putting grace on your past and putting faith in your future. Did you get that? And so you have to look at some of the details of your life that you lived out and your experiences. And even though you did those things and they were real as real could be, and maybe you're not proud of them, or maybe they weren't the best, or maybe they were great. you got to say, God, there's grace for that. Thank you. That it's either if it was good, it was a testimony. If it was bad, it's under the grace of Jesus Christ. But you're asking me to keep my eyes fixed on my tomorrow. And so I need faith to abound in my heart. I need faith to believe that what you call me to is as real as what I've already walked through. Give me faith and give me courage to trust you, to step out on these things. And to move forward into your plans. I love what Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Justin, come on up, please. The last one is this. My fulfillment comes in the future Christ has set out for me. If we can settle this in our hearts, then we'll always embrace the God that moves us forward. Is that the greatest place of fulfillment comes when I trust God and I walk with God and I step into my future. See, in, the, in our life, we chase fulfillment in a lot of different ways and a lot of different vehicles. We chase it through relationships sometimes and we chase it through jobs and sometimes we chase it through stuff. The stuff that we possess and we own that we think gives us pleasure. But the reality, the truth of who you are, every person on this earth, let me, let me, let me tell you something that maybe you, you've, you've partially heard, but you haven't really grabbed a hold of. And I want you to understand this. I want you to hear it out of my mouth. Every person on earth will only be fulfilled by living in the calling that they have in Christ Jesus. You won't be fulfilled any other way. 
And one of the reasons why God moves us forward is because he wants us to be fulfilled. God is just insanely interested in your joy, in your pleasure. We have, over the years, over hundreds and even thousands of years somewhat, have misconstructed the pleasure of walking with the Lord. And we've allowed a lie of the enemy to sneak in and say that it's painful, that it's, it's daunting, that it's strenuous, that it's hard. We've used words like, in phrases like a fine line, a narrow road to define what it is to walk with Jesus. And it doesn't have gospel truth attached to it, frankly. Jesus, of course, says that coming to him is a narrow way. Why? Because he's the only one. Coming to God, there's only one way. It's through Jesus Christ. But living for Jesus is not hard. And it doesn't mean that you have to frown. And it doesn't mean you have to give up on the joy and the happiness of life. It just doesn't mean that. Living for Jesus is the most fulfilling thing that you can do. But the key to getting there is trusting the God that moves you forward. Trusting Him. Most of the problem, if I can say it like this, and I don't want to mess up anybody's thinking here or, or draw anybody into condemnation, but I want you, to, I want you to, to please hear this. Most of the problem that comes in our understanding of being fulfilled by living for Jesus comes from us trying to hold on to a part of our life, trying to control a part of our life. And what the Creator God asks us to do, the one who loves us, the lover of our soul, the one in Jeremiah 1.5 we talked about earlier, who knew you before you were, in your, you were in your mother's room. He created you with all the pleasure of His purpose before you were even in your mother's womb. He put that in you. What He wants us to do is to trust Him and to, to let go of the control of our lives so that we can begin to walk in the bigness of who He is. Because if we believe the Scripture to be true, that God calls us into places that are bigger than we can see or, or hear or even imagine, that's a big thing. Think back when you were a kid and you used to play in the dirt and you used to imagine conquering the world. That imagination God put in you. And He did it for this reason, so that you would one day grow and begin to dream with Him and say, God, if you could put dreams in my heart as a child, what's it like to dream your dreams? What's it like to believe that you're the God who resources and loves me more than I even know? Who calls me into the big things and all you're asking me to do is to trust you. To trust you. To take a step. And listen, I can promise you, just like everybody in the New Testament and all the models and all the examples we have, that God never lets down those who trust Him and walk by faith according to His promises. For some of you today, that first step may be the hardest step because you may have to let go of some of the things that have crutched, you've crutched on, whether it be pain or anger or frustration, that you've allowed to form an identity in you. But even though that seems just very, very painful for you to do, can, will you trust me in, when I say this? By letting go of that, what you're going to receive in return is the love of God that's going to heal your heart and those things that you thought maybe you could never be free or healed from. And what you're going to get in return is the understanding that the one who formed you called you and that he knows you and he knows what will fulfill you and he's inviting you to a beautiful journey because he's the God that always, always, always moves you forward. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word. We thank you for 
the amazing testimony of your love in our lives, like Paul, who even though he was bound in prison and in house arrest and, and confined and maybe not able to do the things that he wanted to do, and maybe God, he didn't even understand the time frame of what you were doing. He chose to trust you. He chose to trust you. And Holy Spirit, you, you pen through him words of encouragement that are life to us today, that have power on them, that have the authority to transform the way we live and move and have our being. And we thank you and we receive those words today as life to us, that we would model this in our lives the ability to trust you as the God who moves us forward. And today, Lord, right where we are, we make a confession. And every person here, if this is you, you do this before the Lord right now. God, we give up control of our life and we say that you are the one suited to control our life, best suited to do this. We trust that you are the one who loves us and we rely and put our faith on that love. We thank you that in your grace and your mercy, you set us free and you saved us. But also in your grace and your mercy, you called us to begin to dream dreams that you formed in us before we were in our mother's wombs. And so we embrace that as truth right now. And Holy Spirit, let life begin to blow fresh in people's minds and in their hearts. Let it transform them. Let the old be shaken off and what is dead be shaken off. God, let us be a people who trust you and know that you have provided and set forth the things in our life necessary to do the things you've called us to do in your love. Let your love abound in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? You have to believe it. You have to believe it. You have to believe it. I love that God has entrusted us with the ability to agree and to believe what he has given us in his word. I love that. I love that. Can I tell you something else about that is that if you believe and agree with God's word, he's going to open up doors of favor for you to walk through. He will do it. He will do it because he is the good God. For Some of you this morning, he is good and he wants to heal your bodies. He's a good God. He's the one who heals. He does that in his love. If I could just have a couple of uh, Spud Kiki, come on up. Carl, why don't you and Josh come on up? Just have some folks here that would love to pray with you. If you guys have any needs whatsoever, if you have any concerns or any kind of uh, thing that you're saying, I'm believing the Lord for this, whether it's healing in your body or something broken in your heart, we want to pray with you this morning. We want to stand beside you. We want to encourage you for God's best in your life because he is calling you to great things. No matter where you see yourself today, he is calling you to great things. Your tomorrow is better in the name of Jesus. So I declare the grace and the peace and the love of Jesus Christ over every one of you. Amen and amen.